This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, the pod pinhead, and this is commentary for pages 382 to 387, while my copy of EverQuest 2 Echoes of Fade were patches on my PC, because hot damn is it a big patch. And I don't know exactly what's going on, but it looks like Sony underestimated the demand, because boy oh boy is it taking a long time. It's uh, somewhere around estimated 9 hours left to patch, and it was also 9 hours when I started patching about 4 hours ago, so I think Sony's having some difficulty with their patch distribution right now, but you know, at least they're not using BitTorrent, because instead of 9 hours it would be 9 days like that other game. And yes, that was a pot shot at Blizzard, for those of you who are listening and too stupid to understand the subtlety. Also, uh, hey, Sony, what the hell is the deal with the Transformers movie trailer you installed on my desktop? I mean, I love you guys over there at Sony Online Entertainment, but I purchased an EverQuest 2 expansion, not frickin' advertised to me software. Don't put that shit on my computer. And certainly don't do it without asking in the installer or something. That's pretty damn classless. Anyway, on with the show. Page 382, dooby dooby doo. No particular importance or profundity to this title. The reference is just because Tresca, especially at the very end, is saying do in pretty much every bit of dialogue. Do you want to go home? What do you want to do then? And so, and this was another one of those moments of desperation where I didn't have a title and I just went with something kind of stupid and would be witty, but really wasn't. Anyway, in the first panel, you can see Mika's feet here in the snow and then also these little trailers that have come down off of her, off of her sort of petticoat thing that she's wearing. And... I I should probably post the sketch or something of her original design for the outfit that she was wearing to the dinner, but anyway, there are these two little things that hang off, and if you look closely, you can see them in some of the other pages that follow too, although they're never really particularly prominent. And she has these kind of calf-high boots, which actually aren't all that different from her regular boots, which are calf-high, but uh, but they do look a little bit different. Actually, the whole dress is kind of nice. It's a shame you never really get to see the whole thing. So anyway, here's Mika sitting outside outside of the party, kind of feeling sorry for herself. And the location here is, as you're looking at the building, as you see it in the first page, Night on the Town, There's you can see that there's this sort of large hall that's projecting forward, and then if you look very closely on the sides, you can see that there are also some wings that kind of go out to the sides. Mika's on the side of the right-hand wing, you know, as you're looking directly at the, the banquet hall where they're having this event and so she's still I mean the hall the party is going on inside and she's just sitting out here by herself and so Tresca finds her sitting outside she's Mika's sitting on a little shed or something that's been snowed on and you can see that the snow is accumulated and this is a, one of those conversations that I've had over and over again and I'm sure that probably a lot of you have had too where basically you don't really feel like having a conversation with someone you know you do kind of want someone there for support but when they do show up if they do you don't really feel like talking you'd really just like to have them just there would be enough and Tresca's trying really hard to, to sincerely be helpful, but she's in this position where she wants to help, but she doesn't know how. She knows that something is wrong, and Mika's unhappy, but kind of feels powerless to really do much about it, and you know has been in sort of this state where she can't really help Mika for, for a while now, but in this case it seems particularly, particularly bad. So Tresca's come out to see if she can bring Mika back inside. Mika says she doesn't belong in there, which you know in a way is kind of true. They, they're making her out to be this big hero, which of course was absolutely not what her intention was at all. And Tresca, again, in this second-to-last panel, is trying to be helpful, trying to throw out suggestions about, you know, what they could do. Let's go home instead. And Mika doesn't really feel like doing that either. And when she asks Mika what she does want to do, Mika doesn't really know. Mika just sort of sits there, and that's why you have this last panel where the two of them are just sitting there in silence, which actually Mika would be fine to just sit there in silence for quite a while. Tresca, I think, she doesn't want to, you know, go and have sex with her like you fucking horn dogs on the forums, and she doesn't want to do anything. Just... To, to be there with uh, with her friend would be enough. 
page 383 admission and so here's where the the big release comes Tresca says she wants to ask Mika something and Mika gets up to leave and says she doesn't want to answer questions not because she's expecting any specific question about the letter or anything like that but she just she doesn't want to answer questions she doesn't really want to talk about anything at all right now but Tresca is has kind of had it with with Mika's mopiness and rightly so I mean Mika's been this kind of annoying self-centered woe is me kind of person for quite a while now and Tresca's put up with it with quite a bit of a plum but it's sort of finally starting to get to Tresca so she catches Mika's arm and, and finally asks the question that has been kind of weighing on her mind for a while now which is why did Mika go out to fight the Durad and, and I have to say I really like the fourth panel on this page it's it's not so much nice when I'm looking at it here on my Mac where the gamma's all washed out and everything's not so good but when I look at it on my PC it's the one that time after time draws my eye to it and I think that Tresca's face in particular ended up looking you know, right on the money there in that panel. So I do like that one a lot. And so, you know, now Mika's definitely caught and she has to, now she has to answer the question and she doesn't want to, of course, because, uh, you know, the truth is going to be bad. And so, but Tresca's going to press the issue and, and she demands an answer. And I think that, you know, she's probably rightly so. And, and as she says, she's put up with more than enough of Mika's crap. So it's time that Mika finally gives a little bit back. And so Mika finally does break down and, and gives Tresca the answer she wants and says, you know, she went out there to die. Page 384, release, which is where Mika, obviously a reference to Mika just releasing all this pent-up anger, and again, in another one of these pages that has a fairly sort of pretentious title, but in this case, as, as often is the case when I use these pretentious titles, is kind of justified, because I am aware of how stupid they can be, so. Anyway, that was a little weird digression. So Mika finally fesses up that yes, she in fact went out there to just to die. She didn't go out there to defend near tender or anything noble like that, as a lot of people sort of figured that she did. She just went out there to get killed, and that was the idea. Went out there to pick a fight that she had absolutely no chance of winning, and because she is, you know, so afraid of dying, even though she wants to die, she's still afraid of dying, which sounds like a contradiction, but really isn't, and I'm sure there are people out there listening who probably understand that. So, even because she was afraid to die, she went out and, and had this fight and wound up winning it because she couldn't bring herself to to, to let herself lose. I mean, if she went out there and fought and lost legitimately, then it would be one thing. But she she's not going to throw the fight and let them kill her. And so anyway, she unloads this information on Tresca, and you can see Tresca kind of shocked in the second panel, which I think worked out pretty well, that uh, that expression. And, you know, and Mika continues to blame herself in the third panel, and if you look carefully, it's kind of hidden behind the dialogue bubble. You can see Mika jerking a thumb towards her chest, her on her right hand, and it's very much not a emotion that a Japanese person would probably do, especially not someone like her. But, you know, it it reads culturally anyway in the States. And besides which, it's hidden behind the dialogue, so you can't really see all that much anyway. And so Tresca's kind of at a loss for words here, because she doesn't really have much to say through the, through the whole page, as you can see. And once Mika has finally let it all out and basically come clean to tell Tresca why she did this obviously very stupid-seeming thing, she kind of throws it back at Tresca and says, does that answer your question? Starts to walk away. Tresca calls to Mika, and if you look very closely, it's kind of hard to tell. You can only really see it if you compare it to the previous shot of Tresca. You can see that her right arm is pulled back just a little bit in anticipation of what happens on page 385. Now, the thing about this is that I was originally going to split this out into two scenes. I was going to have one where Mika says does that answer your question? And then they were going to both sort of walk back to Tresca's house 
and then they were going to get inside, they were going to close the door, and then Tresca was going to belt Mika. I decided for a couple of reasons not to do that. First of all, because it was just going to unnecessarily lengthen it, and there was no real need to bring it back to Tresca's house. Part of the reason of doing it there was so that no one would see, but as you can see by looking at the panels, there's no one around. There are people inside, but you know they don't hear this whole thing going on. And so, you know, they're isolated enough and alone enough anyway that, that they can have this little sort of altercation and it's not going to be a big issue. And then also the other reason was that Evan was going to have to show up in a couple of pages and it wouldn't have made as much sense if they had gone back to Tresca's house and then Evan had shown up at Tresca's house and said, hey, I'm glad I found you. Because, you know, the idea is that both Mika and Tresca have just kind of disappeared from this party and Evan, you know, needs to go find them to talk to them. And probably the you know the reasonable thing to do in his position in that situation would just be to you know take a walk around the building and see if they're outside. In which case you know he would run into them as he does in the strip as it played out. But the idea that he would see that they're not at the party, come to the conclusion that they were at Tresca's house, and then go all the way to Tresca's house, which you know it's not said right where it is, but it's probably not right next door to this venue. So, I mean, it would be enough of a walk that it wouldn't make a lot of sense for Evan to walk all the way to Tresca's house just to see if they were there. I mean, because, you know, what if they weren't? You know, no idea where they are. They could just easily be anywhere in the entire city. So, ultimately, I decided not to move that. And so, when Tresca says, Mika, here, page 385, just desserts, Mika turns around and, and kind of snaps at Tresca and gets what's coming to her. And so, there's, you know, and there's that situation where I've got the the impact sort of set split across two panels where you see Mika's reaction before you actually see what happened to her, although, you know, because the page is only so big, you're going to see it all anyway. And then Tresca, after Mika's doubled over, belts her again, and a little bit of color being introduced into the strip in a fairly otherwise colorless, mostly colorless scene anyway, so that's kind of a, a nice change of pace. And also, too, I, I sort of like doing those backgrounds where you've got the big swish because... It's a lot easier than doing a background where you've got mountains and trees and buildings and stuff to do. So, and so Tresca knocks Mika clean into the into the snow and then you know unloads on her. And again, rightly and deservedly so because you know when Tresca calls Mika a selfish and considerate bitch, she's totally right. Mika was being selfish and inconsiderate, as is explained on on the next page, which I'll talk about. Is that Mika? You know, the one time that Tresca needed Mika's help, she wasn't there for her. It, this kind of got covered up by the, the dialogue that Tresca's giving here, the, the last line on the page, but if you look, you can see a lot of the snow that's sticking to, to Mika's jacket and everything, because you know, she landed face first in the snow, which I went to great lengths, well, not great lengths, but I did go to the trouble of actually drawing it in, but as happens sometimes, it ends up being covered up by dialogue, which is sort of unfortunate. Page 386, Mad Girl in Snow, which is a reference to Sad Girl in Snow, which I think is a mega Tokyo thing, although, I don't know, maybe it existed before that. And so here's Tresca going on her, I think, completely justified tirade you know, against Mika, which basically is that, you know, Tresca's gone to all this trouble to help Mika, all this trouble to train her, supporting her, giving her money, helping her out, you know, taking her, kind of basically taking her into her family. And, you know, the way that Mika repays that is to run off and, and try to get herself killed. You know, and Tresca's rightly pissed off about that, you know, and it's the same sort of situation where Tresca was already upset enough that she thought that she was probably going to lose her town, maybe her family, maybe her friends, people were going to die. And then, you know, and then she thought she lost Mika too, and that was just kind of like the final straw that, that really pissed Tresca off. And that's why she's she's so mad here, is because it was just like when Tresca was at her lowest point and needed Mika the most, Mika actually did something that pushed Tresca even lower 
which is, is why she's so mad about it. And then, of course, the letter comes back into it, too, which doesn't get discussed all that much because it doesn't really fit into the conversation, especially at this particular, with the, with the argument being of this kind of tone, this angriness, it would be kind of difficult to have a, a good heart-to-heart -heart conversation about love. So Tresca just mentions the letter briefly, and even still, Tresca is probably not 100% certain what to make of the letter, whether it was real, whether Mika meant romantic love, or just kind of love you as a friend, you know, Shakespeare-style love, or what. So, and, and so Tresca, but Tresca's still really angry, so she's still physical, and you know, Tresca, that's what Tresca does when she's mad, is she gets physical. So she kicks Mika, and, and setting up the layout of this third panel here, where Tresca does kick Mika, was a little bit... I went through a couple of different options for it, and I was going to have one from behind, you know, from the right of where you're looking at it now. That didn't seem like it would communicate it very well, and I, I, I had trouble trying to figure out how exactly to do it, and this is the solution I came up with, and I think it's the best alternative that I had, but even still, it may be a little bit difficult to tell what exactly is going on. But yeah, Tresk is kicking Mika very hard. Not hard enough to, to do you know, serious injury, I guess, but, but definitely hard enough that, uh, that it probably knock the wind out of Mika, which is why you don't see Mika talking from here on out. And so Tresca you know, is, is, again, out, completely outraged. And then kind of wraps up this whole tirade that she's been on, this short little tirade, by saying basically the thing that she knows is going to hurt Mika the most, partly consciously knowing that that's not what Mika wants to hear, but also just because she's really genuinely angry, which is to say that Mika's the worst person she's ever known and should never have saved her and that you know and you can kind of tell although the expressions on Mika's face aren't selling it all that well but that's probably the worst thing that she could have said as far as uh, hurting Mika's feelings and finally page 387 hot thespian action which is another title that ended up sort of being like a last minute edition because I was originally going to have a title that kind of tied into what heaven says in the page and it ended up being too long. And what was originally going to happen, Evan was going to find them, and I wasn't sure how to have him sort of bring himself into the conversation because he was going to have to say something about what was going on, right? I mean, you can't just find these two people in the middle of a fight and say, hey, what's going on? So Evan has to introduce himself in, in some way, and originally I was going to have him say something like, you break it, you buy it. You know, the idea being that Evan has kind of hired Mika, and so it's not okay for Tresca to be, to be you know, beating her up and... and <laughs> basically breaking this thing that he's paid for. But ultimately that ended up being sort of a, one, a little bit too clever a thing for Evan to say, but also two, it was going to only lead into an argument, and you know that wasn't an argument that was really necessary at all, where you, know, you have Evan and Tresca arguing back and forth, Evan saying, you shouldn't beat up Mika, and Tresca saying, fuck you, and Evan saying, no really, you shouldn't beat up Mika, and Tresca saying, no, fuck you. And so it was just going to end up being a big argument that was not going to help anyone. And so... I decided to have Evan say something that wasn't going to be as much kind of wagging a finger at Tresca, and so he says, are you two rehearsing for a play or something? You know, you can sort of interpret that as two ways. First of all, you could sort of interpret it as Evan being kind of a smart ass and saying, you know, you two are incredible drama queens, what the, the hell are you doing? Or you could just interpret him as being genuinely stupid and thinking that they were, you know, rehearsing for a play and because they were bringing up the emotions and everything. Because, you know, he hasn't heard this whole argument, but he's definitely, he can tell that there's been a fight, and he's heard that they were yelling at each other. So I sort of expected it to, you know, that Evan is actually genuinely thinking maybe that they were rehearsing for a play, which is kind of, again, to sell a point that Evan isn't so smart, but ultimately that's a point that I haven't really been able to sell all that well throughout the comics, so I guess I'm kind of, 
you know, it's sort of a futile effort. Anyway, part of the issue, going back to the title, was that Evan was going to say, are you two rehearsing for a play or something? And then in the title, I was going to say, because I haven't seen this much drama since the last time I was at the theater. Only problem with that title was that it was too long and it wouldn't fit on the webpage. And if it had, I would have completely used it. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, so back to the page and the, the visuals. Tresca kicking snow on Mika as she steps over her. And this is kind of, you see Mika cowering as Tresca does it. This is pretty much Mika at her absolute lowest point. Tresca bumps into Evan, and, you know, notice that wonderful looking leather on Evan's jacket. And no one mentioned it in the forums. And strangely, actually, this page got almost no discussion in the forums so far. But yeah, notice the wonderful leather on, on Evan's jacket, especially in that last panel there. Doesn't it look wonderful and, and shiny and great? And no one had anything to say about it. Anyhow, so, yeah, and the, the jacket that Evan is wearing is kind of modeled maybe a little bit on an aviator jacket or something, because I figured it wasn't going to be the same stuff that he's been wearing previously. It was going to be maybe a little bit of a different thing, because, I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be dressier or something. Anyway, so Evan is, is kind of looking at her, and you can see he's kind of cocking an eyebrow a little bit, because something fishy is going on. And without even saying anything, Tresca knows that, that he's not thrilled with the whole situation, so Tresca snaps at him. And I love Tresca's reaction, bite me, because it just seems to be the most appropriate thing to say in that situation, when she kind of thinks that Evan's taking a shot at her, and she says, bite me. She doesn't even have the gumption it right now to actually fight about it. She's just, you know, telling him, go just fuck yourself. Anyway, Evan stops Tresca and says that he has a lead on Brea Simprath. This is not, in fact, the last page in this scene, although I usually try to do a whole scene at a time, but I'm not going to be able to do it this one because I have a podcast that has to be up in about two and a half hours. So, anyway, Evan has a lead on Brea Simprath. You can probably guess what the next page is going to be, which is basically going to be him saying, hey, everyone, get your shit, let's go, we're going as soon as possible. And so, and that's going to close out this scene. It's going to be a fairly short scene. And again, you know, same situation where if I had split it up so that they had gone to Tresk's house, then it would have just been this big kind of long, you know, it would have been a couple extra pages for basically zero benefit. So that's that for the commentary. And let's see, miscellaneous things to talk about. Congratulations to Lady Sinea from Guildcast, who just completed her first marathon about a week and a half ago, I guess. And even though I'm about 100% certain she doesn't listen to the podcast, congratulations go out to her anyway. And in the event that she is listening, or somehow word gets back to her, could you tell me how to finish the damn Consulate Docs mission in Nightfall? Because I've failed it like 10 times already, and I'm just pulling my hair out. Anyway, that's that. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to me using the link on the homepage, or you can post something in the forums. As usual, if you want it answered on the podcast, say so, otherwise I probably won't. Uh, I might answer you directly in email, but I'm probably not going to answer it on the podcast. And I'm going to close out today's show a little differently than usual with a song cap this time. This is something I generally don't do because I really don't like music and podcasts all that much, especially at the beginning and the middle, but this is at the end, so it's going to be easy enough to skip over, and I don't really have anything else to comment on on this podcast. So, I mean, if you don't want to hear music, then please do skip on to the next track with my blessing because the talking is just about over. This song I heard back in, I think, January or February, and I haven't really had an opportunity to work it into the show. I kind of wanted to use it as the intro music, but it didn't really fit all that well. So I'm just going to unceremoniously plop it in right here, because I do want at least to get it out at some point. And this song may not be as awesome as the song cap that Brent used on Virgin World's show number 40, which has just the most awesome end cap song I think I've ever heard. But this one that I'm about to play is, is definitely one of the grooviest tracks I've heard all year, which 
isn't saying all that much since I basically don't ever listen to music at all. But for all I know, I mean, it's some kind of chart-topping smash hit and you're all sick of hearing it, but, you know, I'm putting it in the show anyway because I'm not sick of hearing it and, well, it's my show, by God. So, this track coming up, like all the others on this podcast, is provided by the good folks at music.podshow.com, who make tons of music available for podcasters like me to use completely free of charge, on the condition that I give them a plug when I use the music in a show, like I've done just now, and I think that's a fairly good deal. And without further ado, I leave you with love, l.o.v.e, from Soul Basement. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? We gotta love each other. 